Uh, so hi, Liv. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to um, have this conversation with me. Um, so why don't you just start us off by telling us, um, you know, kind of a quick intro with your name and what you're up to right now. Okay. Um, my name is Olivia Haynes. I took this course about a year ago. And so from what I'm hearing, it's quite different because I didn't have the opportunity to do this neat project, but I am six or seven months into my career and I'm in tech consulting for a software company. Um, and so every day I work with people, um, from, you know, very technical backgrounds from, um, you know, like engineering backgrounds, technology backgrounds, and then me coming from, um, a business background is different and challenging to kind of integrate myself into this world. And on top of that, um, being so new to the software industry and how it works, being new to learning business processes, um, being new to understanding technology in general, these are all things that fuel my imposter syndrome on a daily basis. Um, and, and I missed one too, being new to working with customers and working with clients and doing client presentations. Like there is such a massive learning curve when you're starting your career in an industry that you don't know that much about that your <laughs> degree didn't necessarily like, I don't have a technical degree, so I wasn't necessarily prepared to go into this field right away. So yeah, that's my little introduction on where my imposter syndrome stems from awesome. on the outside. And if you wanted to go internal, we could get into that too, but that's, I don't that's coming up. therapy session. That's coming up. No, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. So essentially, like, as you mentioned, imposter syndrome is something that um, is like really prevalent with young people, especially who are entering the workforce, just like yourself. Um, so that's really why we're having this conversation. Hopefully, by the end of this, um, you know, all these people who face imposter syndrome, they will feel like you know they're on the same boat, kind of with everyone else. Um, and hopefully, they will get some advice by the end of it on how to overcome it as well. Um, so diving into kind of the main conversation. So research shows that about 70% of people feel you know imposter syndrome when when entering the workforce. However women, especially women of color, they kind of experience it the most. So like, why do you think kind of this is the case? Okay, give me a second to think about this. Mm -hmm. I don't, okay. I, I don't know. I, so I've read Confidence Code. I've read Brave Not Perfect. Um, all of the literature and all of the um academic research that's been done on the topic points in this direction i i know that and it's something that i relate to as a woman it's i get into the bottom of it would be like i'm i'm not gonna give you a proper answer this is probably i'm probably not the best person to answer this question um so i don't know if you want to keep this in here but I'd say that, like, okay, I'm going to reference an excerpt from Confidence Code that talks about women and how they over-prepare, mm -hmm. and like you mentioned, looking at this from an intersectional perspective, it extends even further to women of color, 
Um, speaking as a white woman, I know that the over-preparation is a way to combat that imposter syndrome. And I know about all of the things that are so common in, in the people that I see, um, the women that I work with, the women of color that I work with, we tend to combat feeling not, um, feeling, feeling the imposter syndrome by over-preparing and it extends to women at every level of their career from the very beginnings right now where I'm like, yeah, of course I should feel imposter syndrome. I am an imposter in this work environment. Like I'm a random student. What am I doing here? Like, I don't know anything yet, but then in confidence code, Angela Merkel, and I forget the other woman that they reference, but they talk about this conversation that Angela Merkel had with this other, like, powerful woman who runs global financial systems and they talk about both of their they're sharing notes about how both of them over prepare for everything um so that they can at least feel right in their shoes and it's just not something that I see in the men in my life like I maybe certain outliers but I mean I am the oldest of three I have a younger sister she is more like me in her imposter syndrome and need to overprepare, and also in the way that she shies away from things that she doesn't necessarily feel, um, she doesn't, she, where she feels an imposter. Like, Q Will is one of the things that I think, you know, she was welcomed onto that team because she has this interesting background coming from concurrent education and also being um, a student of gender studies and indigenous studies. And she had a lot to bring to the table and still, because it was more of a commerce environment, she was like, no, I'm an imposter. I don't belong on this executive team, which to me is fascinating. Cause I was like, you're exactly the kind of person that we want on this executive team. Anyway, to, to go back, I have a younger brother and he just completely defies all of these things that my sister and I do. I was having a conversation with him yesterday and he was talking, he was making fun of me for, like stressing about high school because he's in first year commerce right now. And I was like, are you worried about your exams? And he was like, no, they're, they'll be easy. Like light work. It'll be fine. (laughs) Wow. And he was like, I bet you stressed though. Like, I bet you were terrified. And I was like, yeah, of course I was. It was my first semester university exams. And I'm checking on you because you're writing your first semester university exams in a pandemic online. Like, are you okay? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I was never stressed. I didn't even stress about high school. You were all like working super hard in high school and all stressed. And I was like, why, where does this come from? Like this confidence confidence that things are just going to be okay is something that I never naturally had. And, and, and I feel like, I don't know, most of the guys that I've known have been the exact same way. So I cannot tell you defining definitively where it comes from, but I know that it's there and I know that it's gendered and everything that I've ever read has told me so. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. Like, I also have a little brother and he's the same. He just doesn't care as much about anything as much as I do. Like, he's just like having the time of his life, like living his best life in the middle of a pandemic. So I totally feel that. Um... (laughs) Okay, now, so shifting to some personal experiences, um, could you tell us yours or, like, anyone else that you know um, who's experienced imposter syndrome? I know you talked a bit about that in the beginning, but if you could go a bit more into detail about, you know, kind of how you felt um, and how did that kind of affect your ability to work as well or if it's affecting your ability right now? Goodness gracious, which example shall I pull from? (laughs) There are so many. (laughs) 
probably keep it workplace focused just because I think it's relevant. Mm-hmm. I was told to lead a presentation, a client presentation a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And confidence is something that I've been trying to work on in the past year. It's something that I could see about a year ago. I could see the way that lacking confidence was going to negatively impact my career. Like truthfully, there was no other reason that I was like, let me work on confidence. I was, you know, one of the people, and I think as women, this is kind of ingrained in our brains from like childhood to be, um, to be humble, Mm -hmm. not to be overly confident. Like those are supposed to be good things. Whereas I've kind of been trying to shift that mentality for about a year now because I can see the way that I fail in um, high pressure situations that I don't feel confident about. And so I do whatever I can to walk in with, you know, my head held high and and a lot of confidence. Anyway, I I was given this presentation that I had to lead and essentially I was presenting customer data about technology back to my customers and I was supposed to be the expert in the room, um, which is hilarious. I'm like <laughs> months into a new job. I have no expertise. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> and so this, of course, was a terrifying situation and really, really hard to get my confidence up there in this scenario. And, you know, I, I was confiding about my stress level with regard to this presentation in a colleague of mine who's like same life stage as me, but he is, um, he's a little bit, um, he's been there a little bit longer than I have, like maybe by a couple months, but also a recent grad. And he was like, what do you mean you are worried about this? Like you are the expert. And I was like, you think you're an expert? Like (laughs) you think I'm an expert? Like, like, I don't know. It was just this, this ease that he had about him in, in the way that he approached these presentations. And I was trying to figure out what that was and how I could get some of it. But, um, essentially my imposter syndrome completely kicked in and it was a a really bad presentation. I'll be like quite candid about that. It didn't go well, but I think one of the reasons that it it didn't go well was that lack of confidence in myself that I just, I didn't have it going in. And when you walk into a room and you don't feel confident about yourself, any of the things that you've prepared, your knowledge, when you're terrified about people asking questions because you don't know if you'll be able to answer them, that is, you know, some people might walk into a situation, into the exact same situation and have all the same tools that you do still like lack the expertise that you lack, mm-hmm. but be able to not sweat the details and be fine with it. For me, I think it really negatively impacted my ability to give this presentation. Yeah. Like you can say all you want, fake it till you make it, but you actually have to try to fake it till you make yeah. it and walk in the room with, you know, your shoulders, he- your head held high. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was, I can see the ways right now in which my imposter syndrome is harmful yeah. to my career progression, to my overall happiness, to, um, to, to, my ability for others to trust me with work, like it rears its ugly head quite quickly in the workplace. 
Um, and so it's not something I think to be taken lightly. Like it's sure. a serious, the, the, the confidence disparity in the imposter syndrome is a serious conversation that yeah. people need to be having with themselves if they're having these issues. And it's like an actual thing to work on in the same way that your physical health and your mental health and, you know, your like Excel abilities are like skills that you need to build. Confidence is another one of those skills, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. No, I think that like it definitely, it doesn't boil down to confidence, but that's definitely one of the, you know, biggest like contributing factors to why like people go through um, imposter syndrome. And I guess like a follow up from this, like what was after this incident, did you kind of like, like, what did you do in the future to overcome it? Like, was it just kind of drilling yourself, like over preparing, as you said, and just making sure that that kind of gives you the confidence or was something else that you used to not like kind of be in that situation again? Um, it's been a few things. Like I, for one thing, I went to my boss right afterwards and I asked for feedback and I was like, okay, listen, I don't personally think that that went well. And I don't know what your expectation of me was, but I just don't really, I didn't like that presentation at all. And she was pretty candid and being like, yeah, I didn't think it was great. Here are your issues. You're saying, um, at the beginning of every sentence and it automatically shoots down your like level of expertise. Now that I I mentioned that, I've probably been doing that this whole time. (laughs) But things like that, like asking for the feedback up front is a muscle that you kind of have to build. I learned that in uh, Kate Robotham's interpersonal (laughs) skills class. Um, But it's, I think that is one of the things that like right away I was like, okay, where is the gap? What do I need to work on to make it better? And I also have just been asking everybody I know and watching presentations from people that I work with because especially in technology, you're never gonna know everything. And the company that I work for is like, has so many different softwares, touches so many different lines of businesses. Like like, there's, there's never gonna be a situation where I am completely an expert. And so I think you need to just be kind of okay with not knowing. And, you know, practice saying to customers, I have to get back to you on that, but let me check in with an expert. Yeah. Um, On top of that, I think just (sighs) the over-preparing, I don't know that it's necessarily a good thing. Like that was my reaction to it was, oh, I should have been more prepared. Is that at the root of it? I think that's part of it. It's also when you're so new, you're not going to know everything. And so you can like either work yourself to death over preparing, or you can just try to make it work with the tools that you've got in your brain. Mm -hmm. I think what I would like to work on for myself is exercising more of the thinking on my feet. Um, things that do that really well from my past, at least were like case competitions, which I hated, but Mm -hmm. now I'm looking back being like, wow, that was incredibly valuable. Um, but I think I just need to be better at not thinking prior to the presentation, these are all the things that I should know. These are all the things that I should have been prepared with and rather going in being like, I'm confident that I'm a smart person. I'm confident that I know what I'm talking about or that I am able to answer questions or candidly tell the customer that I don't know everything and that I'll find them somebody who does. Like, I think it needs to be more of, let me think about it. Let me be confident in my ability to 
figure out what your issue is and 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 less about let me know everything because I'll never be fulfilled yeah. that way. Yeah. So I'm a little bit not loving my over-preparedness answer, but... <laughs> no, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, and in terms of... So I know that this, like, imposter syndrome, it comes up mostly, or at least I've heard um, so far, in, like, you know, people going into working, you know, in the workforce, like, in big corporations. So do you think that things like, um, you know, how companies are having these kind of um, hiring quotas, right, like diversity quotas, or, like, hiring certain women, or like, a certain percentage of women... Do you think that also kind of plays a role in um, people developing imposter syndrome? And if so, like, what do you think, you know, kind of corporations can do to fix that? Like, is there any middle ground or like, what are kind of your thoughts on that? I think when you are an only in a room that significantly contributes to feeling like an imposter like nothing says you don't belong here like sitting in a room full of white men like I candidly yeah and and older white men too like I think we need to talk about like not just race and gender and ability but also like age yeah is a factor as well for like us young people I don't know sitting in a room of people who have had 30-year careers Um, and, you know, are all engineers and what am I doing there? Um, so I think that absolutely plays a factor, but I, my team that I work on is I've got a female VP. Um, uh, my direct boss is a female, like more than half of my team, I want to say, is female. That's awesome. And for me, when I'm looking for mentorship, my ability to ask like gendered questions, and I think this is even more important for women of color to be able to ask questions of other mentors that are women of color, because there's an understanding there that, you know, me as a white woman talking to my white boss might not necessarily have But for me to be able to sit down with my boss and be like, listen, these are the things that I recognize that I'm doing because I'm a woman. And, well, I don't want to say because I'm a woman. That doesn't sound (laughs) great. But these are the things that I recognize as a female that I do and kind of analyzing the way that she sends emails, um, the way that she doesn't apologize when she doesn't have to. Like, Mm. if she's not wrong, she's not going to apologize. And these kinds of little pieces of advice that, that I can ask from a gendered perspective, um, I think are important. And that applies widespread to Mm. minorities all across the workplace, because I think you need to be able to ask those questions and have those conversations. Like without those conversations, you just are further isolated. And on top of that, you can kind of put things in your head. Like when I'm in a group or working on a team that is you know, I'm the only woman on, the only young woman on, a lot of the time I can be like, okay, was that comment in my head? Did that come across? Like, am I imagining these things? Whereas when you're on a team with women or even people who understand the dimensions of being a minority in the workplace, I think you can 
you can see those things a little better like to have allies in the room that are able to call those things out Mm -hmm. like people talk over me all the time and 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 sometimes people are there to call it out and that is massive yeah um and I see it happen to my bosses too like people talk over my bosses and you know then we will have a debrief afterwards where um where we'll kind of talk about what just happened and like that's a really important experience it's it's underrated how important that experience is I think yeah no that totally makes sense um so I guess to end off kind of the you know the podcast what is your biggest piece of advice to any like young person kind of going into the workforce or just in general like anyone facing um this issue like what is your biggest piece of advice for them um not just to like overcome it but to like make sure that you know um it just doesn't happen no matter what okay i have four <laughs> awesome. these are from that Wool thing that's why i went and got my notebook so i can pull it out perfect okay so my four pieces of, of advice the first is to recognize it as a problem kind of like we talked about you're not going to get anywhere if you're not actively understanding that imposter syndrome is real and it's in your head um or that your lack of confidence is real yeah and identifying that as an actual issue an actual skill that you need to work on and even studying it a little bit, like reading books about it, like reading articles about it, understanding it for what it is and understanding it as a common experience is huge to working past it because then you're not sitting in a room being like, this is all in my head. You're sitting in a room being like, I read about this. I knew it was going to happen. Here it is. Yeah. How am I going to fix it? Yeah. Um, so I think reframing how you think about it is really important. Um and, and, and understanding it, I guess, is that second piece of, like, how do I, if I understand it, how can I now build strategies around how to fix it? It's kind of like, it's a little bit of a therapy technique. Like, yeah. it's like, where's the problem? Where are the stories in my brain going? And how am I going to have strategies in place to combat them? Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing are to find the little things that bring you confidence that decrease your imposter syndrome, whether they're in the workplace or out of the workplace, whether it's like talking to specific people who um, kind of like fuel your, fuel your confidence and decrease your imposter syndrome. Or for me, it's music. Like I have a playlist Mm -hmm. that I put on before I go into a meeting. It's important to me. Um, Exercise going on walks like that for me, I went, on a walk this morning. Um, that to me is a great setup for my day in order to build my confidence. Um, and then the last thing is a little email hack. And I just have this folder on my email called good job. And anytime anybody sends me a good piece of feedback or like a thank you note or a job well done, I like throw that in my, in my good job folder on my email and it's all stored there. And it's helpful for not only your bad days and, and to, you know, remember your value, but it's also really good for like, when you have a review coming up, you can pull out that folder and be like, look at all the good, (laughs) everybody likes working with me. Look at this. Yeah. So I started that pretty much my first week of work. It was, um, it was, 
a suggestion from a mentor and I have never looked back it's so good like it's my favorite thing I love that I have to start doing that actually that's a really good idea I think that's a good way to boost your confidence and like even when you're having like really shitty days it like it you know just really helps with that so um awesome okay thanks Liv that was that was really great thanks for all your advice and you know kind of just giving your insight on the issue um hoping that a lot of people can resonate with this and you know just kind of get something like take something back from here and and hopefully work on um you know work on themselves after this so yeah thank you so much yeah no problem um so hi sam thanks so much for chatting with me today i really appreciate your time um so can you just start us off by introducing yourself with a name what you're doing right now and just a quick reason why you agreed to be on this podcast Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm Simran. Um, I'm a recent Queen's Commerce graduate, so just graduated this past year. Um, currently, I am working at Canada Pension Plan Investment Board in their infrastructure private equity group. Um, and I agreed to be on this podcast because, you know, the, the issues of imposter syndrome um, and, and, you know, other societal issues are, just, are really important to me. And I think, like, if being on this podcast can help other people take away lessons from this um, or even sort of understand it a little bit better, then I think that that's definitely, you know, something that I want to facilitate and something that's a goal. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. So just for our first question, like, imposter syndrome, according to my research, is, like, very common among people. And, like, almost 70% of people feel this when entering the workforce, especially when they're young people like yourself. Um, but women, especially women of color, experience it the most. So why do you think that this is the case? That's a good question. Um, first of all, like I think I think imposter syndrome, you know, everyone inherently experiences that at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's I think it's really hard not to unless you're like the most confident person mm-hmm. in the entire room. It's really hard not to feel some form of imposter syndrome, especially, you know, when entering the workplace. Um, if where there's seniors and people obviously smarter than you so just just wanted to call that out and then I'd say women of color um, experience it a little bit more because I feel like I feel like women specifically already kind of have sort of an, an issue with being as confident as men mm-hmm. or even if they are um, portraying that confidence or even just telling people they're confident I feel like that's that's an inherent issue that you know we all have, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's I think it's something that's not very easily mitigated, right? Because I think that I think that women don't want to come out outwardly and you know sort of take praise or praise themselves mm-hmm. or or just like really put themselves out there. And I think that's definitely I think that's definitely a problem. And I feel like that's that's why women are sort of more likely to have imposter syndrome. When it comes to women of color, I'm honestly I'm honestly not sure if that's you know, workplace culture, just like everything, like mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the world right now. Obviously, you know, we've seen things with like the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. um, and just with various people of color movements around the world. We've seen that, you know, people of color can feel oppressed, or people of color can feel like you know they don't have the same opportunities as other people. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like when you inherently get into a position where you do have that available to you. It, it's very easy to develop imposter syndrome and feel like a fraud and feel like, you know, you don't deserve it for some reason. Yeah, no, I think your, like, point about confidence is probably, like, 
the most, um, one of the most important reasons why women face imposter syndrome more than men. So yeah, no, totally agree about that. Um, so I think Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think in like specific situations, even, even like returning to work after maternity leave, for example, um, women are sort of notorious for sort of like amplifying any negative thoughts, right. Mm -hmm. Or, Or sort of convincing themselves that they don't deserve that job anymore because they have to take so much time off. Yeah. Um, So I think specific situations like that as well. Yeah. I know like just on a very quick side note, like my aunt actually got fired from her job because she was, when she got pregnant, but this was like a lot, long time ago. So I don't think it's, I don't think this happens nowadays, but she actually got fired from an investment bank actually. Um, when she got pregnant, so um, that was that was crazy. Yeah, I know. I I'm mean, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen anymore. That was a pretty long time ago, but but yeah, that's just another like kind of sad thing that women have to face, you know, in the work in the workplace. Yeah. Um, okay, so now shifting to some personal experiences, could you tell us yours or and maybe anyone else you know their experience with imposter syndrome and how did that kind of affect um, your ability to work? Yeah, so I think personally I've experienced imposter syndrome my, my honestly my entire life, mm-hmm. um, at least at least since I knew what it was, right? And yeah. Since I could feel it, um, and I think I feel it especially now, in a, in a job that's you know very competitive and mm-hmm. has a ton of people who are super smart, super driven, mm-hmm. um, and have so much experience. Mm-hmm. I feel it a lot. I feel it a lot now. Like sometimes I will, you know, I'll be assigned. A task where I'll be on a deal and I'll be working for it and then thinking wow I really don't know how to do this or mm-hmm. um you know I don't understand what's going on right now and then that imposter syndrome creeps in where then you kind of spiral mm-hmm. and start thinking like oh I don't know how to do this well do I even deserve this job am I even you know worth it is there someone else that could have done a better job with this or whatever mm-hmm. so I feel like you I feel like you really end up spiraling um so imposter syndrome definitely definitely creeps up in my everyday life um and I think it's not just my job it was also when I was in university mm-hmm. um also when you know I joined a couple of clubs within university mm-hmm. even like interviewing for those clubs mm-hmm. um I, I felt the same way honestly like I felt do, do I you know do I deserve to be on this club is there someone else who can do this better mm-hmm. and so I think for me it, it, it ha- it's mostly just been about reminding myself that you know if I, I'm in I'm in a position where I like I'm in the position that I'm in for a reason yeah and you know it is because I am I am good enough and I am smart enough to do Mm -hmm. what I'm doing you know and it's just been constantly you know developing that confidence to be able to tell myself that Mm -hmm. no definitely and how do you think like corporate culture plays a role in perpetuating this cycle yeah I think corporate culture can honestly play a big role um and I think I think a lot of people don't know that their corporate culture is playing it, right? Yeah. And, or playing such a big role. And I don't think, like, it's all, I don't think it's all the corporations fault at all either. Yeah. Right? So I think, like, corporations play a role by, for example, you know, like, criticizing when different problems and failures occur mm-hmm. by, even even in, in certain industries, even by enforcing sort of routine behaviors like working late every night, right? Yeah. Because then people sort of get into this complicit, like, understanding of, oh, if I want to be as good as, you know, this other person, then I'm going to have to work late, work yeah. twice as hard, and you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like you just get into this cycle if you're trying to be as good as other people to mitigate the imposter syndrome, so yeah. as a result of that, you're, you're working twice the hours, you're, you know, you 
you're you're perpetuating this culture yeah. of of working late. And you know, when you do have a problem or when you do sort of run into a quote unquote failure, you're harder on yourself because mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that I feel like that happens um, a lot. And that's definitely not I wouldn't say that's like a, a company culture thing. I think it happens. Yeah. I think it happens in every corporation, right? Because, because just a virtual the job market now, yeah. every single job is really competitive. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you want to sort of like bring yourself up to that level and slash like meet, meet the demand. Yeah. I think it's just something that's perpetuated through that instead of, you know, your corporation directly like having yeah. this culture of imposter syndrome, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. No, even things like, and this is kind of leading to my like, like following question but things like um especially nowadays with like um you know diversity quotas or like you know people like corporations focusing more on like hiring women or like making promises like oh we want to hire like 50 percent women or have them like you know in in a leadership uh, role or whatever so even those things um like they are obviously there's huge positive sides to it but do you think they also kind of contribute to more women kind of having that imposter syndrome because they think oh like I'm only here because of some quota. I'm only here because, um, you know, they need to fill, you know, they need to, like, uh, up their stats or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think, honestly, I, I, I'm honestly not sure if I'm for or against diversity quotas. Like, yeah. it, basically, just like you said, they're very helpful yeah. because, you know, obviously they're there to give people of color, women, other minorities, like, an equal shot. Yeah. Um, as you know, people of other people of other races and cultures get, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you're right. Like they are harming, you know, they are harming women and minority self confidence, and they are perpetuating the cycle of imposter syndrome. Because, mm-hmm. you know, for example, if I apply to something through like a woman, like a women in finance scholarship, right, or yeah. um, a, a diversity scholarship, mm-hmm. and I were to get that job, then for sure, like even even if I knew that I deserved it, and I was, you know. I, I got that job didn't merit. I would 100 percent still mm-hmm. attribute some of my success to the fact that you know, like, I, I'm I'm a minority, I'm a woman, therefore it must have been you know easier for me to get this job than someone else just mm-hmm. because of the diversity quota in place. So absolutely, it contributes to imposter syndrome, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, when when I was in second year at Queens, I ended up getting an investment banking internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard a couple of, you know, a couple of classmates actually, and a couple of pe- couple of people in my year saying like, oh, you know, she got that internship. She probably only got that because she was, you know, a girl. Oh no. And so I've definitely experienced it, mm-hmm. you know, firsthand for yeah. sure. Do you think and that definitely perpetuates imposter syndrome? Because even though I know that, you know, I, I, you know, I did well in that interview and I was, you know, qualified for that job. Yeah. It's still you know, makes me think, oh, what if, you know, I beat out that other candidate because, because I'm a woman. Yeah, no, definitely. And is there any, do you think there's any, like, way around this? Like, is there any kind of possible solution? Because, like, I mean, you have to do it, but then again, like, how do you, or does it, do you think it's just more of a personal thing, like, where, um, like, women just personally need to, like, develop kind of more confidence and, and, you know, just know themselves that this wasn't just because of some, like, quota it was because I got here by myself to be honest I, I I'm, I'm not really sure if there's a way around yeah. it right because yeah. it this is sort of a matter of thinking that you know that you're a fraud or, yeah. or having a lot of self-doubt yeah and not really believing in your own accomplishments yeah. that's what the whole thing is right and yeah. I'm not 
I'm not really sure how you would get around something like that other than just developing the exactly. confidence yeah. in order to think that if I'm in, you know, a, a job that I'm in or if I'm a club or, you know, if I have this opportunity, mm-hmm. it's because I deserve it and because I've worked for it. Mm-hmm. Then again, though, that's much easier said than done, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not it's not a piece of cake to just... Yeah. I can't just go up to someone and say, you know, just be more confident. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, you, like, it's easy to say, but it's really, really hard to develop that confidence. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have a problem with that every single day, still struggling. So definitely, hopefully I can keep working on that even more. Um, So like just to end off, um, what is your biggest advice for a young person, you know, such as yourself or anyone just in general, like at this age, um, you know, overcoming imposter syndrome? Like what's some things that has helped you? Um, and mm-hmm. also in the second part, what is your advice specifically to young women? Because they, you know, as we've mentioned, like they've faced it much more than men. Yeah, I think so. Again, like imposter syndrome is one of those things that you can't you can't really get around or fix, right? Yeah, because yeah. you're you're everyone, in, and this isn't just about women or women of color. This is about this is about everyone. Everyone at some point in their life will face imposter syndrome. Yeah. Everyone at some point in their life will feel like, you know, they're doing something that they don't deserve to do or that they don't know how to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think the most important thing is awareness. Like first of all, know that you have imposter syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you know that all of the feelings that you're feeling can be attributed to imposter syndrome, then you know that you know, it's just, it's just something that will pass. And, like, once you get more comfortable in your role or more comfortable with the opportunity that you're undertaking, yeah, it, it should usually pass and you should usually develop, you know, that confidence. But I'd say it definitely requires sort of striking that balance, right? It needs, yeah. it needs like, it, it, you need to encourage feedback to recognize and celebrate your achievements, but it also means sort of giving people opportunities to learn and to grow, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's about figuring out that, oh, I'm, I am making a mistake right now, but also figure, also saying, okay, I'm, I'm making a mistake, but, you know, I I, I can fix this. I know yeah. how to do this. And so it, it's really it's really striking that balance about being humble, mm-hmm. but about being confident, which I think, I think that's, I think that's the main point. I think a lot of people, you know, don't, like, don't walk that fine line, right? Like, there's, there's being confident and there's being overconfident, right? Yeah. And while I think that the key to beating the imposter syndrome is confident in your own abilities Mm -hmm. there is definitely a fine line between that and overconfidence so so I'd say I'd say there's no there's no simple answer to your question yeah definitely it's all just about being being aware yeah um and and knowing that you know it's okay to make mistakes and just because you're making mistakes it's not Mm -hmm. you are worthy of of whatever you're doing no I totally agree and do you think like on on like a different note like besides like personal Mm -hmm. stuff maybe like even like finding external help do you think helps like uh you know perhaps like through a mentor or like anyone else who can kind of you know you can reach out to whenever you're feeling imposter syndrome do you think that that could maybe also help in reducing it absolutely I think if you just have you know like a a support network or a group of people that you can talk to about it I think that helps a lot for example um you know I, I I catch up with some work friends sometimes and you know, today we we had a catch up and I realized that, you know, my work friends were feeling some exactly the same stresses that I was feeling about work, you know, if I didn't know how to do something, you know, I would get stressed and I would think, again, that idea of imposter syndrome, like, do I even deserve this job? 
um, you know, is this the right job for me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I realized that a, a lot of people feel that way, especially after talking to some of my friends today who are actually also other women in finance Yeah. and, and hearing that they're going through the exact same thing and them saying, wow, I thought I was the only one who went through this or realizing that we all go through the same thing. Yeah. I think just having that, that network of people that you can talk to about things like this is so important because at the end of the day, you realize that you all feel the exact same way and mm-hmm. that makes you feel a little bit less like a fraud you know yeah if everyone feels that way I'm I'm definitely okay to feel this way yeah. you know yeah that totally makes sense mm-hmm. um all right thanks so much Sam that was that was really amazing some really great advice thank you so much for your time really appreciate it no problem have an awesome rest of the day thank you you too bye Hi, John. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with me. Um, So why don't you just start us off with a quick intro about yourself, you know, kind of what you're doing right now, and maybe a quick reason why you agreed to be on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So like I uh, graduated out of Queen's Commerce in 2020, um, and I recently started working full time at PwC um, in Vancouver in the audit uh, in, in audit, and I'm specifically focused in like mining utilities. Um, I also did a summer at PwC in my third year, so I just uh, resigned my offer and came back. Um, in terms of why I'm doing this podcast, I think it was like super, like out of left field when he messaged me. I had like no idea what you, you were going <laughs> to message me about, and honestly, uh, thought it'd be about like USDBT or something, which is like the content like we worked on in the past. Yeah. But uh, when you brought up like imposter syndrome, I thought it was like super interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they a relatively new concept for a lot of folks and um, um, definitely I think a very important conversation to have like right now um, mm. especially like transitioning into full-time work or like coming out of like school and like, looking for full-time work and whatnot mm-hmm. so I just thought it'd be a super interesting conversation to have yeah awesome so as you know you know we're talking about imposter syndrome and you know it's some it's something very common among people but especially among young people such as yourself who are just entering the workforce um but research has shown that people of color especially feel um you know imposter syndrome a bit more than others so why you know kind of why do you think this is the case (laughs) i think it it it's all kind of linked to a bigger issue i think Um, as people of color and like visible minorities and whatnot, um, you you have the sense that you're always like less than the other person doing the exact same thing. Whether mm-hmm. it's like being admitted to like a top tier school or admitted to like a or being employed by a major firm, you always feel like you don't belong and that you need to work twice as hard, yeah, just to do like half as much as um, the person next to you. So I think like that obviously comes to play, mm-hmm. um, and and I think. Um, not to get like too crazy right now or like too political, but I think like uh, a huge thing is like it, we're seeing like political climates like uh, uh, white men are able to like say a lot of things and get away with a lot more things mm-hmm. and like people uh, uh, who are visible minorities and, and their uh, resumes like speak for themselves and they mm-hmm. work super hard and like dedicate their whole lives to do something while a lot of times like um, a lot of people are able to just to w- walk into a room and and gain the approval to be there and do what they want to do mm-hmm. um, without having to work for it. And it's just tough, mm-hmm. um, I think, for visible minorities who uh, work so hard and go through so many difficult situations and for them to still feel like they don't belong mm-hmm. um, where they are. And uh, for them like not to feel like they've accomplished uh, what they have based on their actual skills. Mm-hmm. 
No, I totally agree. Yeah, like I feel like the whole thing about people of in a lot of places like them not getting the same opportunities. They just have to work like three times as hard sometimes to get where you know white people or like other people are. So so yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, okay, so now shifting to some personal experiences, could you tell us your, you know, experience with imposter syndrome, you know, kind of some examples or maybe one example where you really felt it and how did that affect your ability to work? Yeah, I think, um, like talking about full-time work Mm -hmm. is pretty relevant. Like I think when I first got like an offer letter and an offer to work at PwC, like I, like obviously I was super stoked and super excited, but like once that like wore off, yeah. And like I got into the office and started doing like my first summer there, yeah. like I immediately thought like you know everyone in here is gonna be like way smarter than me. Like all the other interns are like way more qualified, mm-hmm. way smarter. Um, like probably have like way higher GPA than I do. Um, mm-hmm. Like have done everything better. And then as a result, it, like it kind of made me feel like you know I gotta work so much harder just to to be on par with them, mm-hmm. which I guess like has its pros and cons in itself. Um, of course, like I think it made me work like work a lot harder like push us out of my comfort zone uh take more initiative um in order to like do in order to uh feel like i am equal but like in reality mm-hmm. like i am doing more and i am doing better because i am putting in a lot more effort mm-hmm. um so like of course not the ideal situation but like not the worst outcome in this specific scenario mm-hmm. and like so you mentioned, like, you know, it, it kind of played, imposter syndrome played a much bigger role when you joined kind of the workforce. So how do you think, you know, corporate culture plays a role in, you know, kind of perpetuating this cycle? Yeah, I think it, it, it's difficult, right? Because I think, um, like, at the end of the day, like, a lot of what corporate culture is, is, like, trying to make as much money as you can. Yeah. Um, by maximizing the resources you have. Not saying it's ethical, but like that, that's like the reality of what happens a lot of the times, right? So yeah. I think it's um, super important, like as an employee, and especially as a new employee, to like mm-hmm. understand like, where you are mm-hmm. and like remember that like you don't really, um, like at the end of the day, you don't owe like your organization or copy anything, right? Like you're there to work and like they hired you because they think you're a good fit mm-hmm. and that like, you are qualified and, and like they're not doing you any favors by hiring you mm-hmm. like you know like you're not pulling any strings or whatnot like you deserve to be where you are because um you are like the, the, the company thought you were qualified and they hired you um like in the sense of like what organizations can do i think that's a difficult one um because i feel like a, a lot of organizations right now are really focused on on diversity and inclusion and are like uh, have like at least like at pwc i know like we've really like re- refocused a lot of things into diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. and like they are really trying but obviously like all these initiatives aren't like overnight um overnight fixes right like yeah. it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot of effort it's gonna take a lot of uh, uh human effort to, to get there mm-hmm. so i think um especially during this, like, COVID world, this virtual world, it's, like, super important for organizations and for management to to be transparent with their employees and, like, have uh, a more open line of communication, Mm -hmm. Um, whether, like, at the, like, the partner level or even, like, the manager level. I think it's just super important for um, there to be open lines of communication and, like, constant um, feedback on how you're doing so you're not, like, left there kind of, like, sitting in your own thoughts, thinking, like, oh, maybe, like, the work I did wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing for a fact that, hey, like, I did well here, 
Um, maybe they didn't do so well here. And like just like being more confident, like or having the organization boost your confidence in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And but like, do you think that in terms of so you mentioned like how you know PwC is focusing a lot on DNI, right? Um, like a lot of other companies are. But and then as you know, like a lot of corporations they also have, especially this year in light of so many like you know events that happen, they have like these di- like diversity quotas, right? They're gonna hire like a certain percentage. Um, of, you know, say women or, like, black people. So do you think that contributes to, you know, the issue a little bit of, like, people feeling like, oh, you know, I'm only here because of a certain quote, I'm only here because I'm (laughs) feeling, you know, these stats for a corporation. So, like, do you think there's any way kind of around that? Like, or, you know, like, how can how can people kind of ignore, like, walk, I guess, you know, walk past that and still feel confident that they're made it you know this far on their own yeah um <laughs> that's a very interesting scenario i think yeah. like like you, you never want to be that guy that feels like oh i'm just a diversity hire of the firm yeah um, but like feel like you're not actually um there because you, you burned it yeah but i think that's a very key takeaway from that and i, I guess it's like the 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 real baseline of like why there are such things as like diversity and inclusion and equity quotas and whatnot is that at the end of the day like it's supposed to help folks that like don't have the same resources but have the potential mm-hmm. to well right and i think that's very important to remember like sure uh like for instance i may be a diversity hire um but like to keep in mind like, i didn't get like the same like potentially not like not me for instance but, like me as someone of like a, a visible minority i may not have like the same level of education i may not have the same uh, access to resources mm-hmm. and like as a result sure my gpa may not be the same perfect 4.3 or like yeah i didn't have the opportunity to spend a bunch of time volunteering and like uh get, like doing essentially what is free labor instead of like working for for money to use mm-hmm. like i think um diversity uh quotas really allow for people to um really ex- expand their horizons like i know it sounds silly but like mm-hmm. it, you, i think you just got to really trust that the firm like ha- can identify talent yeah and they've been yeah. identifying talent for for years and it's part of the business model and hiring um, new grads and they know what they're doing yeah. so like it, i think it's just another opportunity for for us to like really enter the workforce mm-hmm. and have the opportunity to like work in the in the field that we want to work, um, even though it may not be a very diverse field, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't think it's hard. Like, I would never, like, I wouldn't think just because I'm a, I'm a diverse hire, like, I'm not qualified, I'm mm-hmm. not, like, whatnot. Like, at the end of the day, they're not hiring some random dude exactly. to, like, yeah. like, diversity quotas, right? Like, you still have to be qualified. Yeah. You'll have to have, like, the right education, the right courses, the right whatnot and mindset to, like, get into the firm in the first place. So, like, I wouldn't think take that and like write off like all my abilities and it could work mm-hmm. yeah no I think it's also like like you mentioned a bit like uh, like the firm it's also kind of up to the firm to like make sure the candidates know like the process is super like like yes we have a quota but like the process in itself is objective in the sense that you know um, you know we're going to make sure that the candidates are all like like even if they're like like diverse candidates, they all have the same kind of like qualifications at least, like you know the same talents, um, you know to to get in and like um, 
kind of get the job. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so kind of end off on the podcast. Uh, what is your biggest advice for a young person such as yourself who's about to enter, you know, the workforce in overcoming imposter syndrome? Um, and I guess, you know, I can combine the two, but what is your advice specifically for, I guess, people of color, um, you know, in overcoming it since they face it so much more than the average person? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think the key things to remember, like, if you've been given an offer to work somewhere, yeah, you deserve it and you've earned it and you've worked hard for it. You know, like you've done, you've put in your time, you've worked countless hours through like all your education, all your extracurriculars, whatnot. Like you, you've earned it yourself and like you shouldn't feel like you don't deserve it. And like you're bound to meet other folks when you work and when you enter the workforce that, you know, you could argue that they don't really deserve it. And, like, that they're not as smart, they're not <clears throat> as hardworking. So, like, don't second-guess, like, what you've accomplished and don't second-guess, like, what you're doing because, like, you definitely earned your spot. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you so much for your time. That was really, that was some awesome advice. Yeah, no worries. Okay, I'm going to stop recording now. Don't worry, this will be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Hi Zoe, uh, thanks so much for joining me today and taking time to um, be on this podcast. So why don't you start us off by just introducing yourself, um, you know, what you're doing and a quick reason why you kind of agreed to be on this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Zoe Kovacs. I just started my first job out of school um, working as an associate at the Boston Consulting Group. I just graduated from Queen's Commerce uh, last spring, and a quick reason why I'm doing this, I agreed to do this podcast is because imposter syndrome is definitely something that I am, like, continuing to work at avoiding or, like, not experiencing. So, yeah, definitely a relevant topic. Yeah. Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, it's something uh, young people as yourself face. Like, imposter syndrome is pretty common amongst people like yourself, Um, you know, but the problem is like research has shown that women specifically face it a lot more than men do so why do you think that is if you can give some insight onto that um I mean I'm not super familiar I guess with like the literature on this but if I had to sort of form a hypothesis I think it would be um related to like not historically being in a lot of these like workplaces like we don't have in a lot of areas especially like women of color um, there isn't like a long history of like being in the in certain fields and making it to high leadership positions in those fields. So there's not a lot of like that natural yeah. confidence that someone who looks like you or comes from your background will be able to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that's like objectively factual, I think that definitely plays into that sort of feeling that oh maybe I'm not confident or maybe I'm not capable enough mm-hmm. to achieve my goals in this area yeah for sure like another person that I interviewed for the podcast they said the same thing like confidence plays a huge role in you know contributing to the issue so that's definitely true um so now shifting to some personal experiences could you tell us you know your own you know maybe one or two experiences with dealing with imposter syndrome whether it be you know right now or previously and how did that kind of affect your ability to work Yeah, I mean, I think last summer when I was like an intern, I definitely felt a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of 
like just internal doubt of whether I was like capable of actually like being successful, Mm -hmm. whether I was like doing enough or doing well enough. Mm -hmm. Um, even though like when you're an intern, like the expectation is that you're going to be learning and you're probably going to make a few mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the impact that had is that it added just like that extra level of sort of stress, um, and anxiety that sort of takes up headspace on top of like what you're actually trying to achieve and like getting that task completed Mm -hmm. and I think that that just serves a lot as a distraction that kind of prohibits you from achieving that goal um and in addition to that I think obviously it just has a negative impact on your mental well-being um because you're spending all this time sort of like thinking these negative thoughts that you're Mm -hmm. not good enough um so I think those are like the two key issues it sort of like takes up energy you could be spending on Mm -hmm. actually completing the task at hand and in addition to that it just sort of creates a bit more negativity in your life yeah and does that do you think that carries over to like now when you're not an intern like working full-time or like what what are kind of differences between the two um I definitely think it will it's like kind of like coping with my imposter syndrome is definitely like one of my my main goals for like this year especially is to like not doubt myself so much um but I think I think as an intern you have that added pressure of like oh I really want this job full time Mm -hmm. and like I need to secure that like offer back which I think sort of heightens the experience whereas I'm hoping at least once you're full-time it's like okay like they hired me Mm -hmm. they want me to be successful like I'm not like trying to like fight for a return offer or whatever um but I definitely still think like it's still like relevant for sure especially when you're just starting out um and I mean probably the whole way like I'm sure as you get promoted like you're still gonna be like okay like SOS like do I deserve this but I think when you're like new especially it's like Mm -hmm. you're not sure you don't know the ropes yet so there's probably more likelihood that you're still gonna like doubt yourself a bit yeah for sure and do you think that like corporate culture plays a huge role in contributing to this imposter syndrome Um, I think it definitely can because I think corporate culture can like largely determine who is successful, um, in a workplace. So if a culture, a corporate culture isn't inclusive and isn't set up to support different types of people in their job, then I think absolutely you're going to one, see a certain type of person being successful Mm -hmm. and that can obviously, um, create imposter syndrome for people that aren't don't like look like or feel like that person um additionally I think the way that the corporate culture like anchors how you feel about performance can play a role for instance so I just came out of training at my job and a big part of our two training weeks was talking about the growth mindset Mm. and focusing on how like we're always going to be learning no matter what role we are in the company and Mm. so we really need to approach that with a just because I'm not there right now doesn't mean I'm not going to get to where I want to be in the future. So really emphasizing like kind of the word yet, like I haven't mastered this yet. And I think that orientation like kind of anchors you to realize that you are qualified. You can do this. Everyone is learning. You're always going to be stretching yourself versus if I don't think if we hadn't had those discussions, it would definitely be more stressful when you feel like you're not where you need to be. Um, So I think definitely like the way corporate culture addresses performance and growing on the job um, and like normalizes sort of feelings of imposter syndrome, um, I think can definitely impact the prevalence and like the depth to which people feel that. 
Yeah, and like another part, like I know especially recently with like um, everything that happened this year, like a lot of companies are focusing on, you know, diversity quotas. Like, they have been in the past, but like recently it's gone up a lot more, you know, whether it be like having like 50% women or like having, you know, a certain number of like a certain racial minority, right? So do you think that plays also a role in contributing to imposter syndrome? And if so, like, is there even a way around it? Like, can people even... You know, you know how people like if you're hired, you know, you think that, oh, maybe I was hired just because I'm part of this. Like I need to reach, you know, a certain quota. Like, do you think that contributes to it? And how, you know, how can kind of people overcome that feeling? Yeah, I think quotas are tricky for sure. Yeah. Because I think on one side, when done well, like they can be quite frankly, like very needed in terms of like getting organizations to actually invest the resources in adapting their culture and making it more inclusive and like finding ways to access Mm -hmm. different talent pools. But I also think if it's done sort of incorrectly or like is communicated, I think, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is if you just insert a quota and you're not doing enough to Mm -hmm. like make those hires still be made like based on qualifications and based on like uh, ability to do that job, it can create um, definitely that sense of imposter syndrome because yeah. someone might feel like, oh, I was just hired because X, Y, Z about my identity. Yeah. And I think if, like, I think if that's really strong, then that can definitely sort of increase imposter syndrome and probably, probably to an extent, like, negatively impact your ability to perform in that work environment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think those are tricky for sure Mm -hmm. I think in terms of mitigating that I think you just have to be confident in yourself and remember that you were hired because they want you to do this job yeah um and you deserve to be they offered you a job they pay you you deserve to be there just as much as anyone else and I think from the corporate perspective you need to be sure that you're approaching it not as like okay we got to the interview stage and now we need Mm -hmm. to select like five out of 10 need to be women. For example, it needs to be more like, okay, like we have this target, we want to increase our gender balance, but the way that we're going to do it is by partnering with like organizations like Q will, or like Mm -hmm. doing like getting our brand and our business in out into channels where like more women are going to be interested and then come to you versus like getting to that, interview phase and it feeling like oh my god like we have to hire these five women so I think that could definitely increase feelings of imposter syndrome no I agree I definitely think like reaching out to other organizations where you can find like you know talent like actual like proper talent with qualifications is like probably a good way to you know making them feel like okay no I'm here like for a reason and I was recruited like properly um okay yeah sorry go ahead were you gonna say something no, I, I just, I definitely agree. Or even, like, yeah. putting your target on, okay, like, applicant pool versus, like, actual hirees maybe, like, could be another way to be sure that that's what the focus is. Yeah. But I don't know. Definitely. I mean, that transitions kind of into our last question, which is, like, you know, what would be your best, like, advice to young people who are entering, you know, the workforce or just even, like, right now, like, going through imposter syndrome? Like, how can they overcome it? Um, and I guess specifically, if you want to combine this even, you can, but specifically for women, how do you think it's good for them to overcome, um, imposter syndrome going forward? Um, I mean, I think this is definitely something I'm still like very much working on. Um, but I think some of the things that have helped me so far are being sure that I have a really good group of women around me to support me. Um, 
both like within my workplace and like just more broadly mm-hmm. and a group that like can not only support each other and like cheer each other on but also be vulnerable with each other I think the sooner you realize that other people also have these feelings the sooner you realize that oh like this is imposter syndrome this isn't actually necessarily yeah. like reality this is just kind of like my stress and anxiety talking yeah um I found that really helpful and I think also to the extent that you can find mentors or people in your field or workplace that you can talk to and that you can like um get strategies from um I think that's that can be really helpful Mm -hmm. um and also you know like a confidence playlist like that always helps you like pump yourself up yeah (laughs) but yeah I guess just like having people that support you and like continually reminding yourself that like they chose you Mm -hmm. and you like you deserve to be in that room definitely all right thanks zoe that was that that's all our questions thank you so much for being with me thanks so much for having me for sure sorry i'm gonna stop recording this um